0: Of cocktails and dreams, I have Cody Michalowski here with me. He's my senior recruiter at Clutch, and we are going to talk about the current state of the staffing world, the labor market, and how it's changed. So, Cody, thank you for being here with me.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on the podcast today.
0: I know Mo made me start this podcast, and it's super uncomfortable, but it's all good. <laughs> um, so. You know the reason why we started this podcast is because um you know both of us right are having conversations every single day about what's going on in the labor market me specifically with clients um wanting to understand why there's so many resignations why they can't find talent all of that good stuff and then on your side um we would love to get some perspective on you know, obviously this is a candidate market, right? Um, The candidate can kind of write their own ticket right now. So we want to kind of talk about and hear about for the candidate side, you know, the candidates that are listening to us, um, you know, how they can navigate this labor market to be beneficial for them, um, but also, you know, how they can work with us and how we can help them find opportunities, the right opportunities for them. Because I was talking to someone the other day and they're like, well, you know, is it that everyone has to leave their job right now and go somewhere else? Is it just about the money, right? Um, or is it about opportunity? So we'll kind of get into that a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's kind of all of the above and it's super dependent on each person because this market is wild on both sides. And I think figuring out priorities and what next steps are, are kind of what each side of this business needs to kind of focus on at the moment.
0: Absolutely. So I couldn't agree more. Um Okay. So just in talking about clients and, you know, you probably hear this all day long because, you know, we're all in an office open space. So, you know, from my perspective in dealing with clients that can't find talent right now, um, you know, it's what? Two and a half jobs to every available candidate in the marketplace right now. Um, We are seeing that, you know, the government puts so much money into the system that we never went into a recession, thank God, right? Um, but, you know, there's so much more opportunity in marketing and advertising, and so there's so many more jobs across the country, not just in Philadelphia. So, you know, these companies that had, as I like to say, brand equity in each market that we work in really don't have that anymore, right?
1: No, yeah, absolutely not. I think that um, candidates have prioritized their independence and their lives over what company they're working for and who they're signing their name to. So I think it used to be, oh, I'm so excited to be at the number one agency in the country. Now it's, I'm so excited that I can work from home and spend time with my family and get all of my work done at the same time. I think these things have so shifted with this pandemic and giving people home time to kind of adjust and figure out what their priorities are.
0: No, absolutely. And I think one of the biggest questions, you know, a lot of my clients have for me is, well, you know, why can't I find anybody in the local market that can come in and work on site two days a week, right?
1: Every day of the week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And I'll kind of take the lead on this, you know, from a client side, you know, I think that Listen, it's a challenging world right now. We've never been in a situation with a pandemic in our lifetime, right? So um, trying to navigate what that looks like moving forward really is a month-by-month basis. With vaccines, antivac, pills coming out now, Like we don't know what that's going to look like. But right now, what we're seeing is that candidates want the opportunity to work remote, correct? 100%.
1: They want the opportunity to be remote. They want to be able to log in and take care of their business and then sign off and be at their house ready to do what they're going to do with their friends, their family, their kids, whatever those things look like. They're taking advantage of this time that is no longer spent commuting someplace.
0: Right. And I think that they're also taking advantage of the opportunity to maybe live in Philadelphia, but work in Austin. Or San Francisco or Toronto, right? Because they never had that opportunity before.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, across the world, they're working everywhere. Uh, we have candidates that are applying literally from out of this country looking for new opportunities because they're fully remote. So they can work and they can live in Canada and work in America and it not be an issue as long as they have the proper documentation.
0: Right. And, you know, I've always been a proponent of this. I mean, when I started Clutch, right, we started with you know, the premise that we wanted to represent um, the best available talent, you know, to our clients, not the best available talent within a 20 mile radius of where they are, right? So dumb luck, pandemic hits, and we've got resources across the country. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, clients, yes, they've shifted and they had the ability to maintain the people that they had in the beginning of the pandemic. But now people are seeing all these opportunities that nothing's changing. And so they're looking to move, you know, into different opportunities. But because of the talent shortage, you're also getting, you know, the added bonus of sign-on bonuses, 20% more in salary. There's so many clients that need not only just creative talent, but digital talent, that it's like a fight, right? Every single day for talent.
1: Exactly. Constant, and I think that there's not. It's not that there's not enough talent. It's the fact that companies got too comfortable getting the perfect candidate for way too long. So there's no juniors. There's no people being developed. So now we don't have the backup to the senior you just lost because you just asked for a senior last year and they gave you a new one. So there's a there's a lot of an adjustment there where. Corporations and companies need to really invest their time into juniors and kind of spend some time on that internship conversation. Maybe develop those interns so that you have your pool of juniors that are going to come in at the end of the spring or any whatever that could look like. But I think what I'm seeing is there's no backups. Whoever was trained was trained, and they're the ones that are consistently getting new jobs. Right. And now we're starting to look at juniors, and people are like, oh no, they don't have what we're looking for. But they have the talent. You need to be able to mold them into what you're looking for at this point.
0: Right. And I want to go back to what you just said, you know, the perfect candidate. You know, these job descriptions that we see now, it's like we have to kind of go through it with a fine-tooth comb and be like, you're not going to get all of this. Especially if you're asking someone to be local and to come on site. They have to be more flexible. So let's kind of break that out a little bit. So there are clients still that are, you know adamant about having people be on site two days a week. And so if those people, you know, those clients um, are looking at that perspective, what we're seeing is that they need to be more flexible in in their solutions and what they're looking for, right? Totally.
1: And I think that those clients are the ones that we're seeing are having this great resignation because they haven't been flexible, because they're pushing the subject, they're not actually listening to their people. So their people are moving on to a company that will listen to them, that will support their priorities, that will support their lifestyles. And I think that's kind of what companies are really not comfortable with.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a very short amount of time that this has happened, right? So there's organizations that have been very fluid and get it and they can be nimble and they can move in the direction of what's happening in the labor market. But I also think that there are, you know, there's companies that have been doing the same thing for so long that they're just not willing to shift. Or there's bigger organizations, right, like more corporate companies, not necessarily agencies, where they're like kind of lost. They're like, we don't know what to do. Um, And there's a long layer of approvals that have to go through in order to make changes, and so they're losing people because they don't have the ability to be nimble and to make those quick changes to, to what's happening in the market, right? Totally,
1: that's yeah. exactly what that is. And you know, this even goes even bigger than just companies and what they're trying to make process with. I think that you know this goes back to generational conversations. So when the millennials hit the workforce, everybody was up in arms because of the way that the millennials needed to be engaged, mm-hmm. because. We're very accustomed to multitasking on a consistent basis. Companies didn't used to do that. They were like, here's your job. You do this one area and this is what you do. Millennials are, they, are like, where are
0: they? I need more of them. <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> exactly. And millennials are like, no, I can do eight things at once and I'll get it all done over you. And then the companies are like, well, what else can we do? Because now we don't know how to keep you busy long enough. Um, and then you know, I, I'm just waiting for the day when it's only a matter of time before the Z's and the double Os are out there because they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. I feel like the millennials kind of softened the blow a little bit and took most of the heat, but I foresee mm-hmm. the next 10, 15 years being a huge workforce shift in what their priorities are and what they're looking for.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's interesting. I was having a conversation with a client yesterday. And he brought up the fact that he lost a, um, an internal person to an agency in New York. Um, obviously, they're paying more, right? And they're cherry picking, you know, Philadelphia talent because it's, you know, it's close. And, and, and obviously, they have the bandwidth and the salary ranges to be able to support, you know, coming into the Philadelphia market for talent. And um, he was like you know, we have a great culture that's always been our thing. Like, you know, why are we losing people? I don't understand it. Um, And trying to have that conversation with the client and be like, this is the new world, right? You have to be open. You guys are having people come into the office two, three days a week. No one wants to do that. They're, they're like, but our culture is so great. And I'm like, I get it, but again, you're not listening to me. <laughs> like, it's different. <laughs> like, listen to me. Um, but I want to get to you know the companies that have shifted, right? So we've had great conversations with some of our clients that had the idea of having people come back, whether it was July october next year we're going to be on site and listen i get it these companies are paying i mean hundreds of thousands of dollars in real estate right you know to have these offices and somewhere in the middle of you know building new offices that are just fantastic um so they want people to be in the office and they want to create that culture but the companies that have shifted and that are allowing people to be remote are winning right
1: oh 100 percent. and also those companies that have shifted show interest in their people they listen to their people they listened about what they want to do you know they might be hired for one specific role but the the candidate themselves are really interested in getting into something else that the agency has to offer and they've already provided that succession plan right in the interview process in the conversation and even in their offer letter where they're like we're going to teach you this right. we're going to start you where you're the expert and we're going to grow you So that you know you are a part of our company, our culture, and you're worth our time. And I think that companies got away from that. I think, you know, that's still something that a lot of companies have lost along the way. Mm -hmm. Where it used to be you could replace a person within a week. And this is not that world anymore. No,
0: it's not. Um, The other thing that I think is a benefit working remote and having talent all over the country is really these people are in another demographic, right? So... If you're in, let's say, Detroit, you're going to have the ability and have a better understanding of, you know, the the marketing and different types of communities and different types of companies that are in your network. So you can bring a fresh perspective to a, a different company versus just someone that comes from the area where your organization is. And I try to sell that to my clients because I think that that's super beneficial,
1: It's a hundred percent beneficial. What's the point of having a very insulated creative world in Philadelphia? We're not getting the inspiration from New York, who's our neighbor, or maybe Boston's an expert in retail because they are, they have some of the biggest retail chains up there. Yeah. LA has all of the entertainment industry. They have all the branding that you could ever want in the world. Like why limit yourself when you could have the best creative person for your client that might live six hours away? Like there's no reason to it, especially with the technology that we have.
0: Absolutely. And, um, one of the other things is that a lot of clients are thinking about, and one of our clients started doing is hiring people from the West coast, right? Because if you're in an agency, there's always going to be projects that need to get done, right? So at five o'clock, a client says, Hey, I need this tomorrow. Now you have resources. that are three hours behind that are working on another coast where you don't need an office and can get that done for you, and you don't have to worry about the staff that you have on the East Coast, making them work after hours, and then you know creating this kind of pushback from them, like, oh great, I'm working 10, 12 hours a day to get the work done, right?
1: Absolutely, especially if you're allowing that West Coast person to work on West Coast Pacific standard time. Right? Um, if you're making them work on Eastern Standard Time, for my candidates out there, you should be listening. <laughs> if I lived in California, I would be at the beach by three o'clock every day because I'd have to get up to work six to three, so I, I think there's a there's a great balance on both sides of those things for people to really you know con- reconsider, um, and I, I can't think how else you could have a backup team without having an actual team that would come in at eleven a.m. and work until eight o'clock at night. Otherwise, right? Which agencies and companies are investing in that type of? That's having three different teams on one project. Right. You know, that's not something that's. Probably available on a budget in general.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. So I know I talked a little bit about, you know, the client side of things. And for the candidates that are listening to this podcast, what would you say um, they should be doing right now in this market, right? So obviously we don't want to promote everybody leaving their jobs.
1: No, <laughs> right? Absolutely like that's not, not what yeah. we're talking
0: about. Um, but this is a candidate market. So, you know, what should they be doing to kind of figure out, are they at the right organization, right? Um, Or should they be making a career shift right now?
1: Well, so first and foremost, I think that everybody needs to take a few minutes and actually look at where they are. So, you know, I am in this role. Am I happy with my company? Yes. Do I feel like maybe I was missed out on a couple of those promotions that I thought I maybe deserved? And maybe I have put in the time and I'm not getting the attention I need. One, you could have the conversation with the company and see what they have to say. Uh, And then two, there's no harm in putting out some soft feelers. Just because you're having conversations doesn't mean that you have to leave the organization that you're at. So if your priority is to move up into a higher level position, you should put feelers out there and see what's happening. I think that it's 100% worth your time to just have some conversations to know what your market looks like. And as recruiters, we can help you do that too without you having to interview with 9,000 different Companies, so you're not wasting time on that end. Um, and you can reach out to us at any point and have these conversations. you know it's it's really important to keep your feelers out there and know what the pulse of the market is so that you know how to take care of yourself best because this is the market to get increases in salary, this is the market to get a job title boost, this is the market to Maybe work on a client that you've been dying to work on since the beginning of your career. There are so many things out there right now that there's no harm in having some conversations.
0: Right. No, I agree. And to add to that, you know, an opportunity to work in a different market. Totally. You know?
1: I mean, Philadelphia, you know, we're super pharmaceutical based. I think we have a ton of that. We have a ton of universities. We have a lot of industry here. but. We don't get all of the entertainment industry stuff that L.A. has. And we don't get all of the auto industry that Detroit has. So there's so many different markets that if your passion lies in a different city, they're looking. And they're open to having conversations with people across the country.
0: And then what about, um, you know, that's a lot of great advice for people that are looking potentially for another full-time job. Um, One of the things I was going to say is we had a candidate. That was not looking right. And basically was waiting for a promotion for a really long time. Um, the company kept pushing the promotion and saying, Oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. And then we kind of had that conversation. Right. And said, Hey, listen, just go out there. There's some good opportunities. And then that person was like, you know what, this is, let me interview and ended up getting the job replace that candidate, and then the company came back and said, yeah, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to give you the promotion. And so it was the right move, right? So put your feelers out there and see what opportunities were, because otherwise, that candidate would have still been sitting in that job and would be totally deflated,
1: right? Exactly. And I think that the the client side isn't paying attention to that. Yeah. You coming back after the fact and giving me a counter, to me, already, uh, that that's too little too late. Like right. You weren't invested in me enough to promote me beforehand, right. and now because I'm leaving, you're going to promote me and give me more money. Yeah. I would be very wary of situations like that just because it's going to take you trying to leave again to get to your next level potentially. Right. And you've got to kind of think that through as a candidate. Yeah. And I think clients need to focus on that too.
0: And I think, you know, from the client perspective, I, if it was me, would I really want, if someone already gave me their resignation, they don't want to, I would feel like they don't want to be here anyway, so why am I going to counter it? You right. know, like it, it might it might not be the right fit for different reasons. You know, so and that if you counter and you keep the person, how well is that relationship going to be moving forward, knowing that they ultimately wanted to leave? <laughs> think, that would be my thing. Totally, and I think some of
1: those are really coming back to people that have been really loyal to those companies right. that have been there for 10, 15 years. The candidate you're talking about was not one of those, but she right. was really living it up uh, at that company, but. You know, I I see a lot of these agencies, I'm sure the one that you were talking about yesterday, um, that copywriter probably was there for quite a while and the growth wasn't there, so they chose to make a move. And you know, you can't fault the person for doing that.
0: Absolutely not. And you know, it's really interesting because companies that, getting back to brand equity, right? So companies that have had this brand equity in these major cities and been like, oh, I'm the number one agency have been able to, I don't want to say underpay, but just, you know, people just flood to their doors so they don't really have to be um, competitive, let's say, right? And so when this hit, it ended up being, okay, now all these candidates are going to get, you know, these employees have opportunities to make more money. And so they weren't willing to shift their compensation to align with that. And so they lost all these people.
1: Well, they never had to worry about it. So they didn't yeah. pay attention to market conditions for these companies that are really comfortable in their space. They consistently paid the same amount of money year over year over year to the same type of candidate that they were hiring. Those candidates don't care anymore. They have right. other opportunity and they're going to take it. Yeah. Um, and a name on my resume might not be the priority or or the thing that it used to be anymore.
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know, I also don't want to project that, you know, all clients just increase their salaries, right, to hold on to talent. That's not what we're saying, but it's just kind of a, we're seeing that overall just Mm -hmm. specifically. Well, there's a national
1: agency. One of them is based here in Philadelphia. They just increased entry level Mm 65,000. Base. There's nothing below that. Nobody in the entire building an entire company is getting paid less than $65,000 a year. Right. That's a big jump. And yeah. that is a fantastic way to try to retain employees. Absolutely. Especially um, people that maybe were a little bit more junior and they yeah. were struggling to kind of keep their head above water and, you know, manage through. Yeah. I mean, when I graduated 15 years ago, making an entry-level salary was a very difficult thing <laughs> To branch out on your own without being independently wealthy to some degree, like they're, they're, yeah, it's not easy. You got to kind of live through it and make it work. And you know, I give the kids props today, like they have a little bit more opportunity that pays.
0: And so we talked a little bit about just jumping back to direct hire candidates. What about freelance talent? Like what, I mean, obviously we talk about this every day. It's diminishing minute by minute because there's so many opportunities for perm that people are getting stalked to get hired full time. Right.
1: Right before (laughs) before I jumped on this, on this podcast, one of our clients reached out to me and said they are countering for one of our freelancers because she got a direct hire opportunity and they are countering to keep her. Right. So Yeah, freelance talent is a really interesting thing right now. Um, I think if you have the skills and the hustle, uh, now is the moment because you can pretty much name your hourly rate and get whatever you want also. Um, If you want stability, and now that people are not making them go on site and they have a little bit more life-work-life balance, Mm -hmm. a lot of these freelancers are like, hey, why not? Why wouldn't I take the healthcare? Why wouldn't I take the PTO? Why... I, if I'm getting remote opportunities, I can work across the country. I'm doing something really exciting that I really like. I, I think that the freelancers are saying, why not? No. Why wouldn't I just do this?
0: Absolutely. And I think that a lot of clients don't understand. Like They're, they're still stuck in that. Oh, well, I can just have a freelancer do it. Or, hey, I need a project done tomorrow. And there's just not that h- a huge amount of freelance talent out there to be able to pick from 10 people for one you know, project. You like can barely find five,
1: <laughs> depending right. on what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, clients are slow. You wait two or three days on a freelance candidate, you are out of luck. That well, person is long gone.
0: But I have to back you up on that. You wait two, two or three days on a direct hire candidate, and that candidate's probably gone too. Oh,
1: totally. I yeah. mean, <laughs> we, before we can even interview some of our candidates, they are gone. Um, that is on direct hire and freelance. They have somebody else calling them immediately and saying, hey, we have something for you. Or, hey, here's your offer, and it's done. Before you can even have a conversation, yeah. you could look at that candidate and be like, this is the perfect one. This is the winner. And then they're like, hey, I got an offer. I'm good. (laughs) And that's the end of that conversation.
0: So I think on the client side, um, on the freelance, they really also need to be flexible. Flexible in the resources, understand their department. Um, You know, I did speak with a client yesterday and he was like, hey, listen, if this person doesn't have, let's just say, XD experience, we have so much work. If they're good, let's get them in here and pick up some other stuff and then let's wait until we find that XD person. Like, let's just hire someone for XD and then let's hire for, you know, digital whatever. Um, And I think that clients need to actually think about that because they're not going to get one person that has everything on the resume right now because the resources are just not out there.
1: I think this goes back to what I said earlier. Train people. If you like their portfolios, teach them what you need them to do. Mm -hmm. If you like their skill set, assist them in getting them where you need to go. Because you're developing them, you're investing in them, they're going to feel worthwhile. Like there's a lot that goes into this relationship on both sides when you do that for somebody. Right. Um, And there's loyalty that's built in those conversations and that relationship building. So I, I think companies need to stop being like, no, I need somebody now, which I know is really difficult when you need a freelance person that can jump in right now and do the project without help but they don't really exist anymore. They're really limited on the resources. And if you're not competitive hourly, you're out of luck also because they'll get halfway through the project or maybe two weeks into the project and say, I got another opportunity with $30 more an hour and I'm going to go with this.
0: Well, I think a really good backup to this podcast would be kind of negotiating that. Right. And like, what are some creative ways to staff, you know, in this labor market? Because, We've had some, you know, clients come up with some, some really creative, you know, ways of identifying and obtaining talent in this market. Um, you know, sometimes it's obviously, you know, from a freelance perspective or even a hiring perspective, you know, let's train them, right? But then there's also people that are like, hey, you know what? I'm going to hire a couple extra people, right? So that my team's heavied up so that I can be able to manage all the work that we have. Um, but also figure out who's going to work and who's not going to work. And I think it's really important that clients also understand that when they're making offers to people, when we present a client, a candidate at a certain salary or rates, like that's what it is. Like, I think that we need to get into like in the next podcast, like talking about that and negotiating that because I think that clients think, okay, well, if I come in under 5,000, you know, I'm getting a deal. But really, it's a bad move in this market, really bad. Like, if we say that the candidate, like, this is their salary, that's their salary to get them in the door, make them be loyal, have them be happy. Like, there's no negotiation there right now.
1: We had an agency ask, make an offer of, what, 50 grand under?
0: <laughs> Sell them on
1: the agency. The, the, good luck on that. <laughs> I, I, as a recruiter, couldn't even tell you how I could do that to my candidate. Right. You know, I, I tell my candidates all the time I'm their agent, I'm their representative, I'm there to make sure that I'm an extension of them to get them what they want or they need. And I definitely make sure that we have those conversations. We're really honest. Yeah. So I, I know what I can do. And I push them to be like, Are you making a move? Right. If I get you $125,000. Right. I had this conversation yesterday where I was, he had a huge range, and I said, Tell me if I get you $125,000, you would make a move. Right. And he's like, oh, you're really pushing me now. And I was like, well, <laughs> this is the way it is. Yeah. Like, I can't get you all the way through and then get an extra ten grand Because yeah. I know this agency is not going to do that. Like, yeah. they're fantastic. They hit your mark on every other thing you're looking for. Right. And he wanted to get submitted after we had that conversation. But being honest and, yeah. you know, open with your recruiter, that really gives you the opportunity to help them as much as possible.
0: And I think that we, the next podcast will we'll dive more into that. Um, and then from a client perspective, you know, you're, you know, your agent for the candidate and we're our agent for the client. Like I'm the agent for the client and, you know, finding the right resource that is going to stick and is interested. And there's, you know, um, a lot of conversations that have to have to happen with like glass door and, you know, our relationship with the agency because maybe they don't have the best, you know, outwardly um, reputation, and that's not their fault because a lot of these, you know, a lot of these places you can just write whatever you want to write, right? It's mostly disgruntled people. But you know, we—I'm the advocate on the client side, saying this is why I think that you know your candidate should work here, right? Um, so we could talk a little bit more about that. But in just to kind of summarize this podcast, um, you know, from a client perspective. It is an extremely challenging market um, to identify talent. And so the takeaways from this, I would say, are try to be flexible. Understand that you're not going to find a unicorn right now. Um, you know, make sure that you have had, taken a hard look at your internal team to see what it is that you really need and what, you, what your you know, extra wants, what you don't need. Um, really look at that remote. Like they have to be flexible. If, if I mean you and I know that if they're saying it's on site, like we have to start walking away from that those opportunities because the on site thing is just it's mega it break. Just, it kills it. And then they still want the best candidate, and it's like you're not going to find the level of experience that you're looking for having someone come on site two days a week. You're just not. It's, so
1: it's done. That is yeah. the end of the conversation immediately. If you... On-site needs to be something that is going to be optional. Yeah. We would, we have an open-door policy. Come yeah. into the office as needed. Maybe we need you here for meetings. Do not require your candidates to come sit there for eight hours a day, or people, um, and expect them to stay.
0: Well, you know, in, in saying that, the conversation I was having yesterday, someone at one of the um, employees came back and said... So basically you're telling me that for the last year working remote, I was successful. And now you want me to come into the office two days a week so that you can stare at me doing my work for the eight hours. Of- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's kind of like, it's actually kind of rude. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like, I just want to see you here, you know? Um, but yeah, so I mean, I think the, the overall from the client side is be flexible in regards to remote. If you're flexible in regards to being remote, you will win at, identifying and getting the talent that you need to be successful in your business, right? 100%. And then what about on the candidate side? So from a candidate perspective, like summarize kind of either freelance or direct hire, what should they be doing right now?
1: Candidates should really be looking at themselves. They should be looking at themselves and saying, hey, my priorities have really shifted over this time, if they have. Um, Maybe I do want to work at the top agency in Philadelphia, and now might be my time to do that. Or Maybe I don't care as much about that because I have a family, and we want to make sure that I'm getting time to spend with my younger kids, and before they are grown, and I missed everything. Uh, And these things all matter, you know. Maybe I like being working from home because I have a senior dog that I had to make sure is taken care of all day long. Everybody has their own life and their own needs, and those needs are now the time to prioritize yourself. This is what I need in order for my life to be smooth and successful and less stressful. And then you enter the work market, having an understanding of like, okay, here's my priorities. I want more money. I want to be remote. I want to do whatever it looks like. Um, And then we work through that. Some of those things are going to have to be flexible. And some of those things might be make or break. And I think that's kind of what you have to do right now. Make a priority list and make a optional priority list and be like, if this were to happen, that'd be great. Then as a recruiter or as yourself, you can really represent yourself the best because yeah. you know what you're looking for. Right. And you're the one that gets to make the decision now, which really makes clients a little uncomfortable.
0: Right. Well, and it's interesting because all those things that you just said, it's the same thing on the client side. Right. So make those lists of priorities and then also like options. Um, but it really is on both sides, candidates you know, and clients. There's a lot of similarities there. Um, Cody, thank you so much for joining me. I I get the pleasure to work with him every single day, so he's amazing. Um, I just want to, for everyone that's listening, so Clutch, we are a specialized staffing agency. We're headquartered in Philadelphia, but we staff across the United States. So any opportunity across the country, any client that needs candidates for freelance, Contract to hire, which that's really not existent right now, um, or direct hire, we can assist with. So, if you are looking for work, feel free to reach out to us at clutchnow.com. Our jobs are on our website. Um, If you are a client and you want to talk further about, you know, what's going on in the labor market, maybe some ideas that we might have to be able to help you identify talent, please feel free to reach out. I am so happy that you joined me and I didn't have to do this by myself, which was awesome. And Mel being here, you know, helps as well. So thank you, Cody. Thank you everyone for listening to uh, our second episode. And next, I think I will steal Cody again, just to get into those negotiating tips, you know, from a client and a candidate perspective, I think that's really important. So tune in um, next week for our next podcast. Thanks, Cody.
1: Thank you. Have a good one.